Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio from River Road Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is brought to you by the Herbal Nerd Society. The Herbal Nerd Society is a collection of really awesome, cool people. Really? You always <laughs> they really say are. that. I, think, I, I think say you say that. Awesome and cool. It's so funny you say that every time. Because they are. They're really cool people. Yes, I love well, the Herbal Nerd them. Society. I, I appreciate them because they keep us on our toes and they make me a better um, web person. I get that all the time. So mm-hmm. They make me smile. You know, they And they help us. They, they support this, which in turn supports us to do this. So yeah. Yeah. it's a nice, uh, it's, nice it's, give and take. It's a, our little exclusive club that that we have that is $4.99 a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get exclusive articles. People have said several times, well, I tried to read your article, but it, it said I had to be a member. Like that one did. Yeah. yeah. So you might want to become a member, sweetheart, because you, clearly you know what you're missing here, don't you? Yeah. So, but that helps us pay our bills and it's a really cheap way to, to get an herbal education. I can tell you that. You ain't going to get that somewhere else. Too right. Yeah. Too right. All right. And Hunter Creation, graphic design and website designers, putting your marketing ideas to life, whether that's business cards or brochures or a rocking new website, they can help you out. Contact them at huntercreation.com. Get healthy now with Candice. Get healthy now with Candice is my clinical herbal practice. I work with folks near and far. I can do distance consults using... um, Zoom. Zoom, Zoom meetings. Zoom. 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 Zoom, Zoom meetings. And um, yeah, if you're looking for help and inspiration and would like to get healthy, give me a call. Right on. All right. Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical is an integrated health free clinic right here in Lane County, Oregon. Uh, we are a 501c3. And we are located at 1717 Centennial Suites 4 and 7. And you can donate to us any, any time because we are, uh, our, we'll give you a tax receipt and check us out at occupy-medical.org. Ace High Heat Graphics, custom and printed uh, t-shirts or hats, any kind of apparel. You want to put your logo or message on something for your group or organization, they can help you out. Contact them at acehighheatgraphics.com. And Sierra Lupe Herbal, herbal Consulting. Consulting is my own little herbal thing. And uh, I also do um, uh, distance and in-town consulting. And my specialty is on chronic illnesses. And I work with uh, medication. And uh, uh, it's just kind of fun to do. So that's what I do. There you have it. So how do you get a hold of me? You go Sierra Lupe, herbalconsulting at gmail.com. All right. Don't forget that we're on the social networks. We're on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Yes, we at the we hashtag are. The Back to Herbalist. Plus, we already have an Instagram page as well. Uh, I believe we are on the Twitter. We are. We on are. On the Twitter. We are the Twitterist. Yes. Uh, yes, we are on we Twitter are. as well. So if you want to reach out to us, we are there and we will be joining in conversations. I know, Sue, you're really active on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like the podcast and have been a long-time listener or first-time listener and really like it, nothing helps us out better than a review. Yes. Please send us a review. We review. would love to hear more. All right, with all that, it's time for the show. Like the plants, herbalists bloom where we're planted. Sometimes that's on the edge, and sometimes it's surrounded by kindred spirits. No matter how we sprout, we find our purpose, and it shapes us as we walk our path and grow. 
Today we're talking with Jamie Sipkowski, owner of Salmon River Apothecary, herbalist and medic about wilderness living, finding the plants, and growing into herbal medicine. Now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Today we have Jamie with us. Yes, I am so delighted. Thank you, Jamie, for being with us today. It's it, it's kind of fun because Jamie and I, we met each other uh, online, I think it was. Right, Jamie? Yeah, through Facebook. Thank <laughs> you guys so much for having me. Yeah. Well, we, she and I both have an interest in emergency herbal medicine. And so we're just doing the little chat thing. And here we are. That she's just yeah. too interesting, Here doing too many things that I just couldn't couldn't not have a, a podcast with her in it. So so thank you for showing up. Uh, so first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you 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 have kind of charged into herbal medicine. How did that happen? Tell us about your beginning. About ten years ago, I moved to a wilderness commune in Northern California. Um, and I realized that I was living in a situation where access to healthcare was not an option. Um, it was the space where Michael Tierra first started his herbal journey. And I found lots of books and a room full of medicine and just kind of dove in and spent all of my time in there. That is like, um, super and here I am 10 years later. That's intense. I mean, that's intense being knowing, yeah. you know, an hour drive if you get injured or more, right? Uh, it was about a two and a half hour drive. Two and a half hour drive. So that's, I mean, you really, you really have to like be on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you just learned from the ground up. Did you come there with any kind of herbal understanding or medical understanding at all? No, not really. I mean, I was raised by a mom who gave me papaya extract when my belly was upset and chamomile tea to help me sleep. But I grew up going to the doctor and I was 22 when I got there. I had, I didn't have much knowledge about anything at that point. So you probably knew what Tylenol, Theraflu, and NyQuil were when you arrived, right? <laughs> yeah, I definitely knew what those were. I had no idea what Pedicularis was. <laughs> so you were in for quite a journey. What What was it that brought you out into the wilderness like that? Um, I was living in New Jersey and I had a daughter who was about a year old and I knew that I needed to get as far away from New Jersey as I could. And so I was actually moving to a different place and just dropping a friend off at the community. But when I got there, I put my bags down and said, okay, I live here now. And oh. I stayed for nine months. Wow. Um, and I've since bought a property in the community and settled down there. Wow. That is, a lot of people would say that's incredibly brave. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's for sure. Wow, what a what a difference. Did you have any wilderness training at all before? Because we're talking like green mountains of California where you are, right? Yeah. No, I had no wilderness experience. I didn't know how to chop firewood. I hardly knew how to cook. Never wow. canned food, never gardens before. Mm -hmm. um, and definitely was never around naked people before. So that was a bit of a culture shock for me. <laughs> that sounds like a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But you, you blended right in there, huh? And it sounds like, by the way, you're saying that all those things are things you're doing now. You don't even think about oh, it. Oh, yeah, most definitely. 
It has mm. become my life homesteading very rurally and raising feral children in the woods. <laughs> nice. So what is the craziest herbal experience you had out there in terms of needing to find plants to do healing work? Oh, um, my my ex-husband fell once late at night um, in the rain and gashed his hand open um, all the way across the palm at about two o'clock in the morning. And at that point, because it was the winter, it was snowing, it was raining. Um, it was about a three and a half hour drive to get to the hospital. Mm. Um, and so we packed it full of golden seal and yarrow. Um, we did end up taking him to the hospital because I did not feel confident in doing stitches, but... Right. That was a pretty scary experience seeing that much blood and mm -hmm. that much of the inside of somebody's hand. Right. Yeah. You're never supposed to see that. I'm yeah. sorry, but that's no. just not right. <laughs> no. That's why we got skin to cover that stuff right up. Yeah. Hand yeah. wounds, they can, they can really bleed. Wow. Yeah. Well, that, that taught me how great of a hemostatic yarrow is. That was a pretty powerful mm -hmm. experience. And yarrow and I have a very good relationship now because oh, of that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yarrow is a pretty amazing plant. I mean, it. it yeah, it really... I don't leave home without her anymore. Right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's. I love that one. That's one of the first plants that um, Candace and I shared as herbalists. We mm -hmm. dove in and and wrote about yarrow, big lifesaver. I use it at the clinic all yeah. the time. Wow. So you've got, but you're 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 moving also into things where. Um, you're getting not just herbal training, but medical training too. How did that come about? EMT thing started because in our community, um, we have a small volunteer fire and rescue. Um, and we had a meeting in the community talking about the need for more people to set up, step up and get certified. Um, our youngest medic who um, was in her 30s, was leaving the community because her kids were ready for high school. And that's what we do when we live out there. We leave. Um, and that left us with a woman in her late 60s and a man in his early 80s as our only two EMTs in the community. Um, and so I decided, since I had already been doing some medic work just for my family myself, that it was a good time for me to step up and and try to fill that role Um yeah. And so I did an EMT course at Humboldt State two years ago. Um, I never did nationals, but I've still been volunteering. Um, and I decided this year that instead of trying to test now, two years after the course, I was just going to take the whole course again mm -hmm. um, and then test after that so I can actually get certified as an EMT. Nice. That makes sense. That's very practical. Yeah. <laughs> How long yeah. is that as that course? Um, it's a 180-hour course, so it's two days a week for five months. Um, I think the classes are five hours a day, so 10 hours a week. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. And that's 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 hard to put into your program when you are already a mom and uh, the herbalist <laughs> and doing all the things that you're doing. But I guess yeah, I only thrive in chaos. So if I don't have 500 things happening at once, I'm not functioning. <laughs> nice. Hmm, that sounds like perhaps the jersey coming out in you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Maybe a little. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also somehow have found time to put together your Salmon River Apothecary and Gift. Is that a, a store that you have there or an online presence? Or what yeah. Is it? So. 
Yeah, I've been I've been running a small apothecary out of my house and just selling my goods at local sales and some local shops and online for probably about seven years. And this past August, I decided to open a retail space um, near where I live. And so I sell my medicine and some medicine from some other local herbalist. I live really close to the Blue Otter School. So I've had some of their students stuff in my shop. Um, and so I represent myself and 33 other local artists. Whoa, nice. Nice. That's a nice grouping of, of herbalists to be able to like have touch touch base with regularly too. Yeah, it's been really great. So do you have a connection with that school? Do you go there and and teach anything or did you just have um, the students no, come in? I've never actually been there before. I just met Karen and Sarah when I opened the shop actually and was surprised to realize that they were the women who run um the Herbal Highway, which I've been listening to for years. So that was, I had a fangirl moment when I met them and got a little bit dorky. Sweet. Um, yeah. Um, and I have some friends who have done the program. I've never done a program there before, but I'm hoping to connect with them and collaborate and do some things with them now that we know we're neighbors. Nice. So how did you end up studying herbs and herbalism then? Was it a lot of books and practical experience as issues came up or problems came up? Or did you study with someone? How did you do that? Uh, yeah, in the beginning, it was it was just diving into the books. Um, a lot of Michael Tierra's books and some older books that were up at the community where I lived. Um, and then eventually, I took just a quick 10-week course with Jane Bothwell at the Dandelion Herb School in Neeland. Um, and since then, I've done just some drop-in classes with Matthew Wood, some classes with Krista Sanadinos, um, Rosemary Gladstar's home study course, and... Um, anything that's available for free online. So I have, you know, the <laughs> membership with Learning Herbs. Um, yeah. And anytime like the Chestnut School comes out with something, mm -hmm. I try to take that. So lots of online courses, lots of books in my library at home and just constant studying and learning and spending time with sitting with the plants out in the wilderness as well. Mm -hmm. That's powerful, actually. Powerful learning to be sitting with the plants and listening to what they have to share. Yeah, it's been a really beautiful experience. Have you been noticing? I noticed for some herbalists, it seems like a new plant will show up and you start learning about it, get excited about it. And then next thing you know, there's one person after another, after another who need that plant. And, and you yeah, realize, I, and they just show up. Do you notice that happening? Yeah, most definitely. I've had that experience a lot. Um, most recently with um, the Particularis densiflora, which grows near me, and I harvested her for the first time this uh, last spring. Um, and after not really working with her at all, just found consistently people in my life and in my circle needing needing that medicine. Um, can you help everybody understand kind of what Particularis's specialty is? I mean, what I've used her for is is as a nervine. Um, she's been a really great support for anxiety and for sleeplessness. Um, she's done a lot of work for that with me. I was having some health issues about a year or so, a little over a year ago, um, and she came into my life and and really helped me with the anxiety and the lack of sleep that I was dealing with. Um, which, you know, it was a lot of. Uh, like a lot of pain in my body and in my muscles. And mm -hmm. she was a really great gentle relaxant for that. 
Nice. That sounds, yeah, beautiful. So this is going to start like sounding weird, but can you describe what she looks like and what her presence is like so that our listeners can kind of get a feel for her? Yeah, she is really low to the ground. Um, Her leaves are dark green and very fern-like, kind of similar to yarrow, but a little bit thicker, not not as feathery as the yarrow is. Um, And she puts off beautiful, deep red feathers. not feathers, sorry, flowers. Like um, tassels. They call her Indian warrior. Mm. I like um, that. And it's this like, yeah, um, very low to the ground. Um, she grows, I would say probably about a 2,500 foot elevation is where I have started to find her and more as I go up higher. Um, and where I live, she's flowering around, probably around Mother's Day, mid-May or so. Oh, I love that. We use a uh, a couple of the other particularis, the elephant's head, and uh, there's two two different particularis in our area that we enjoy. And boy, does it it's uh, they're also fabulous in their vines. For the mm-hmm. house that I often work with, that seems like there's not a not a day that goes by where I I don't have a a good a, I have a good particularis formula, and that seems to come in handy for people that are just aching. Yeah, I went through I went through about a quart of it in the three and a half weeks <laughs> that I was down south. Yeah. So tell us about this, a lot of the, the down south experience. Um so I just spent three and a half weeks in Tijuana working with the caravan um doing herbal medic pop up clinics at different shelters and in the street. Um and that was a pretty powerful experience for me. Yeah. What brought you? What 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 brought you there? What what got you? Inspired you to go do this? Um, I've been an activist for years, but because I have children, most of my activism has been kind of behind the scenes. What can I do from home? What kind of fundraising and supplies can I gather? Um, and my kids were kind of old enough at this point when when I saw the crisis that was happening down there, I knew I needed to go down and. My ex-husband was really supportive of it and happy to be with the kids for for a month um, without any support from me. Um, and I just kind of loaded up into my car and drove down there. Sweet. And can you explain the crisis for the folks who aren't really aware? Yeah. So um, there have been several caravans now of people coming from Honduras and different places down south, um, heading up towards... Tijuana and other places along the border um, to try and apply for asylum to get into the United States. A lot of them are fleeing gang violence and domestic violence and different really dangerous situations, and they're just heading north looking for a better life. Um, about 15,000 people arrived in the first caravan along the border, so it's it's brought a lot of people into the southern communities. That is a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just the first caravan. There's another one on the way as well. Holy cow. And so the work that you're doing is helping them as they move in, as they enter the country to, you know, heal the wounds and the the problems, the conditions that they're coming with or the baggage, if you will, they're carrying with them. Yeah. Yeah. So my work was all happening across the border in Mexico. I wasn't actually working with people that have made it to the U.S. side, but I know that there are people doing that work um, on the U.S. side as well. Okay. So you're helping them 
ditch the baggage before they cross. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. A lot of the people have been living in different shelters. And so if there's a lot of illness um, and trauma mm-hmm. and things like that going around in the shelters um, and a lot of treatment and support that's in- there. Yeah, the few folks that I've known through my life that have immigrated from war-torn areas, it's it's an intense experience just getting to the border, let alone the intensity of actually applying for asylum and getting through that whole process and then trying to settle somewhere in America. So it's a really yeah, intense and- journey. Yeah, a lot of times, too, the people who are being granted asylum are just loaded up into a bus and dropped off at a McDonald's in the middle of nowhere somewhere. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, it's pretty Ouch. tragic. Ouch. So what happens from there? What happens to those people? Um, You know, it's difficult to know. I think a lot of people go through a lot of different processes. Some of them are able to get sponsorship stateside, and so they have families and individuals Um that kind of take them on and are willing to help them and others. I think, you know, people start off in a shelter and try to find jobs and housing and move forward from there. So I can see where Pedicularis would be a particularly powerful one for you. What were some of the other herbs that were your staunch allies in, in that work? Um, I was making a lot of elderberry syrup. So I was doing, there was a lot of upper and lower respiratory infections within the shelters. Um, so a lot of elderberry, astragalus, elecampane, ginger, lobelia, licorice. I had a lot of OSHA honey with me. Um, I got a bunch of OSHA last year from, is uh, Cottingham, Michael Cottingham. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so I made honey with that and brought that with me. Um Jamaican dogwood with the oh, particularis for pain. For yeah. pain. Mm-hmm. yeah um, skullcap, passionflower, lemon balm, tulsi, motherwort, borage, hawthorn, roses, lots of nice. rescue remedy, lots of fire cider. Yeah. I, I hear a lot of boundary herbs showing up there, a lot of protectors and warriors showing up there. That's nice. Yeah. I like that. So are you going to do it again? <laughs> I'm really hoping so. My kids had a hard time with me being gone for that long, yeah. but I'm hoping maybe I can head back down with my kids mm-hmm. and a friend who can help kind of be kid support for me. Right. Um, there were a lot of times where I was in spaces where it would have been fine to have my kids with me, but there were also a lot yeah. of things that I saw that probably I wouldn't want my kids to be exposed to. Sure. Yeah. What age group are your kids in? Um, I have a six-year-old and an 11-year-old that okay. live with me and a 19-year-old who lives on his own. Nice. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a rough one. I've had my, my kids are quite a bit older because I am also <laughs> quite a bit older. Right. Yeah. But I had the, the chance to have them come to the clinic and help in different kinds of ways. And I know it was a really good experience for them. But there were several times when we um, would talk after clinic and and they had to get some context for the things that they saw. And the context didn't always help them feel better about what they saw, of course. Yeah. 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 I know for myself, I'm still processing a lot of grief and of trauma from my experience down there. And I, it's hard for me to, to imagine the impact that it would have had on my kids to be exposed to some of the things that I saw. Yeah. Yeah, especially if your children are sensitive, which I'm betting they're more likely to be growing up in an area that's as wild as you're in. I mean, 
Yeah, that's, for sure. That's a natural human development. The more wilderness we have, we're in, the more sensitive we become because you just become aware of your surroundings more so. And in trauma situations like yeah. that, every and just in order to survive, you you pick things up. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what are the herbs you're using now as you're working through the processing? A lot of motherwort and hawthorn and roses and borage for myself. Um, Lots of rescue remedy. As you were talking, I kept thinking motherwort seemed really important one. And I was like, well, it's not coming up yet. Why is she not saying motherwort? (laughs) Motherwort's already one of my favorites that I use a lot. I actually, um, I I brought quite a bit down with me. Um, And yeah, we've, we've been spending a lot of time together. Nice. She's a good ally. She's a really good she ally. She is. I I had a great class with um, Krista Sanadinos this past fall at the uh, Women's Herbal Symposium in Northern California. Um, and she referred to her as bitch wart, which I really uh, liked. <laughs> I like that. Especially I had a... Um, I had a basset hound who was a girl. She was the first girl I'd ever had of dogs. And it really gave me a lot deeper and more joyful understanding of that word, bitch. <laughs> I really love that. <laughs> I came to actually really love it in, in ways I never, I always, I always grew up with that such a negative thing, but I'm like, no, actually it's an, it's a joyful word. A yeah, no, word. I, I totally agree. Yeah. So how how do you um, prepare for something like this? So you're going to do this again. What would you say just for yourself? What would you do to prepare yourself mentally and physically? Mm. Um, I you know I felt like I was going down there pretty unprepared, but once I got there, um, I felt relatively prepared for what I was experiencing. Just um, being in rougher situations and having lived in the wilderness made it a lot easier for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty good at doing a lot of makeshift work and throwing things together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it's possible to really prepare for the emotional and like refilled experience that you can have down there. Um, what would you yeah, tell your, I don't know like your fellow Jersey herbalists, you know, the, <laughs> the folks who come from the big city, what would you suggest to them might be good wise choice to prepare themselves before they go down because you had the wilderness experience for quite a long while yeah um i guess just you know letting people know to to be prepared that that you're gonna see a lot of trauma and a lot of really brutal and painful things and and to do some work to protect your heart before you go down there and to make sure that you know in going down that you're not going to be able to fix the situation that you can go and offer support, but don't go with the intention of just trying to fix everything because I don't think anybody has the capacity to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking just as you were talking about, I was thinking, you know, for the folks who are really in the city and, you know, we're not, we're not going to have the opportunity to prepare for a decade in the wilderness volunteering some time at local shelters and at or through groups like Occupy Medical and some of the other free herbal clinics that have been showing up or are being built throughout the 
United States through the cities might be a good place to kind of, you know, do that a little bit before you jump into something as intense as the experience you were in. Yeah, I agree. I think that doing things like that would be a great start and a great preparation for what you might experience down there. Yeah. I think the big thing that um, has helped people when they come to Occupy Medical is understanding that they're not there to be a hero. They're there to be of service. And that seems like maybe a fine line, but it is a perspective change. And I I feel that understanding that it is an honor to be of service and it's an honor to use the things that we have learned in a way that helps heal people just makes makes that transition and makes that um, place of healing so much easier to prepare for and recover from when it happens. Yeah, that's a really beautiful way to put it. So for you, what's next? Um, She's well, thinking. <laughs> I, I restart my EMT. Yeah. <laughs> so many things. Mm-hmm. I restart my EMT course next week and I'm doing this community street medic training in two weeks. Um, I'm going to do some teaching up here in my area and try to set up some clinics up here. Um, and hopefully I'll end up back down in Tijuana or in another place along the border. Um, the group that I've been working with, the Border Support Network, um, is building some villages uh, at the National Butterfly Center in Mission, Texas, on the Carrizo Kamikudo tribal lands, um, and working with Juan Mancinas, who's the chairman of that tribe. Um, and they're building long-term villages um, for the resistance to the pipeline and the wall that's supposed to be built down there. And so I'd like to be able to get down there and set up a long-term apothecary space for people to be utilizing in those village spaces as well. Sweet. I love that idea. Yeah. That sounds awesome. As you're working on that, is there a way that folks can get a hold of you if they want to offer donations or support? Um, yeah, I have a Facebook page under my name and under my business, Salmon River Apothecary and also Salmon River Apothecary and Gifts. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and my email is salmonriverapothecary at gmail. Um, and folks can also reach out directly to the Border Support Network on Facebook. It's dash, Border Support Network dash. But I think if you just search Border Support Network, you would find it. Um and, you know, if if people were wanting to give financial donations and things like that, just connecting directly with Border Support Network, I may end up being the one that responds to the messages um, to help get that space set up down there as well. We had a lot of really great donations come in from Mountain Rose Herbs and from Traditional Medicinals. And I'm so grateful for those guys, particularly Mason at Mountain Rose, who is just he did so much to help get an apothecary set up down in Tijuana. Oh, great. Mason Hutchinson. He's a, he's just a wonderful fella. Yeah, he Love is. Him. He's got a big heart. What a gift yeah. he is. Yeah. 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 We'd like more like him. <laughs> well, fabulous. Thank you so much for being with us on this uh, podcast. And I really appreciate all the work that you've been doing. And remember to, to breathe and take care of yourself as, as I try to remind myself too. <laughs> And uh, from the real herbalism team. As always. always. As always. Put an herb on it. it. (laughs) 
The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.